regular people are taking their knowledge and content, packaging it up in an online course, and they're making a living doing it. But not everyone is successful with online courses. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And I'm here to help course creators actually succeed with online courses. Hi, I'm Jacques Hopkins, and this is the Online Course Show. And off we go. Welcome aboard. Glad you're with us. This is the Online Course Show. I'm your host, Jacques Hopkins, and I'm excited to dive into you about all things online courses. And like I told you last week, we officially have a co-host to this show. What's up, David? Hey, how's it going? It is going... It's going mostly well. It's a little rainy. The rain usually puts me in a bad mood, but I've got all the curtains down. So I'm going to pretend it's not raining and I'm excited to chat with you a little bit today about online courses. Sounds good. So everybody got to know you a little bit on last week's episode. What's going on the past week or so with the course? Um, I mean, I got probably the the best news was just like my great video testimonial from one of the guys that's been in my course. Um, he's put it in an action and all the feedback he'd given me just uh, written down was like he was enjoying it and just finding it super valuable. But he was supposed to do a lunch and learn yesterday and then he was going to give me an update and that didn't happen. And so then I'm like, uh, could you just record a video for me anyway? And he sent it to me this morning and said said all the right stuff about how he's experiencing my course. So I feel like that's those testimonials are huge, and I'm excited about that. I know you know that testimonials are huge, and there's no question about that. I mean, I can't tell you how many times people say, "Hey, Jacques, I just signed up for your piano course," and all the testimonials that you have on your website are what really put me over the edge. I didn't have testimonials for the longest time. I mean, I had. You know, it took me a hundred, probably a hundred students in before I've got my first testimonial. So I was trying to sell my course at first without any testimonials and just like, Hey guys, trust me, this system works. Like it's awesome, but there wasn't that social proof. It's so much easier to sell it with the testimonies as well. And I know you know that. That's why you're working hard to get these testimonials. Definitely. So what about you? What's going on in your course? My course is just humming along, man. We're actually headed to the beach next week. Uh, we go on a family beach trip around this time every year because it's. You know, we go to kind of Florida Panhandle and we always go the first week of like the off season because it's everything's like half the price, but still it's usually a really good weather. And so we go to the beach this time of year and I'm really excited about that. And I'm not going to work at all. And I'm sure I'm going to make, you know, just as much money, get just as much students over the course of that week as I did this week. So that's uh, just kind of tying up some loose ends here. One big thing that I'll tell you about and the listeners is there's a new sponsor for this podcast. And I'll go into that right now. Deadline Funnel is one of my favorite tools out there. And they are the sponsor of this podcast episode right here. So let me give my little spiel for Deadline Funnel while I'm on that note. I was thinking about Deadline Funnel today. And I wanted to say this. I think Deadline Funnel and online courses go together like peanut butter and jelly. Some people launch their course a few times a year. I know that's kind of where you are, David, with yours. And that can work really well. I've had people on the podcast that they just do a few times a year launches. For me, I like to have more consistent income month over month and even like week over week, day over day. And in my opinion, Deadline Funnel is the most effective way to do that with Evergreen Funnels. I use Deadline Funnel. A lot of people that have been on this podcast use Deadline Funnel. And if you have an online course, I highly recommend that you use it too. You can get started with a free trial and try it out for yourself by going to deadlinefunnel.com slash OCG. So that's online course guy. So that's deadlinefunnel.com slash OCG. 
And then the other really cool thing that's happened this week is I got a, a really cool package in the mail. And this is every ClickFunnels fanboy dream. But I got the 2 comma club uh, plaque or whatever you want to call it that I'm going to be hanging on my wall. That's for making seven figures revenue, not profit, but revenue with a single funnel inside of ClickFunnels. So that's what has happened recently for Piano in 21 Days. So excited to get that in the mail. Yeah, that's amazing. David, I want to ask you, as a podcast listener of this podcast, what's been some of your favorite episodes so far? The first series with Nate, definitely. I know the ones that I made sure I had my wife listen to, like the book review. We were hiking out in Washington this summer and we totally just listened straight through like two hours of you guys talking about the one thing. And she came home, she read Deep Work, and she was just like, every day for like a little while, at least she's like, I'm going to give my update or, you know, this is what I'm working on today. So that was definitely a compelling one. Trying to remember, there was a guy that had the course that I really enjoyed. He had a course about guitar, and then he was doing one for music instructors on how to have like the best gig. And he was just hilarious. So yeah. Rob Hampton. Rob Hampton. Yeah. I loved how unique his idea was to teach music teachers how to do recitals or something like that. Something like super, super niche within music. But all the interviews, I mean, like, it's just, it's crazy how, I mean, I can get excited about any episode because it doesn't matter what they're teaching. Like they're still living, like just living the dream, like teaching other people and getting paid to do it. And I got to tell you, like the people I run into, even here in my own chiropractic practice, like I feel like every week I'm trying to convince somebody to make a course. I mean, just this week, I had this lady that she has a landscape design business and I was telling her all about it. And I was like, yeah, if you have something you do different, I'm like, people might pay you to do that. And she said, well, we do because she said, I sub out everything. And so she said, I run this landscape design business and I have way less overhead than everybody else. I'm like, that's your thing. People want to know that. But what do you think the biggest reason is that people don't make something like an online course? It just, um, they don't recognize the opportunity is the biggest thing and they don't have the system. Do you think it's that or do you think it's the amount of work that they're too lazy? Like they don't want to do the amount of work that it's going to take. I don't know because when it comes to the work, it's like a fun type of work is what I would say. I mean, like, you know, there's projects that if you're doing it for somebody else, it's not fun. But everything about everything about creating an online course, at least the way that I viewed mine is like trying to put my personality into it. It's a creative project. So for me, it was work, but fun at the same time. Now, maybe lazy wasn't the right word. Maybe it's a lot of work and you're just busy. I mean, you you have a full-time job. You know, you had to carve out time in your existing schedule to then put the Together this course that you didn't know if it was going to make any money or not. And let me give you a very specific example that I'm talking about. My sister is a very, very accomplished artist. She's incredibly talented and she's a good businesswoman as well. And one of her biggest sources of income is actually doing these live wedding paintings. And I won't say how much, but she makes a very good amount of money for each wedding that she does. And she's always got one or two every weekend. It's an amazing living. And I know in general, artists probably struggle financially just in general, right? And I think that could be a really good topic for a course is how to properly you know, book and do the right kind of artwork at these live weddings and make a good living doing it for maybe you know, targeting at these struggling artists. And I've pitched this idea to my sister before. She thinks it's a great idea, but she's making her art. She's doing these live paintings. She's got a family. Like She doesn't know where she'd fit the actual creating of the online course into her life. Yeah, I mean, my life is relatively simple. I mean, it's I have I'm married and then I have my dog and I mean, I do have my business. It takes up a good amount of time, but I mean, my schedule still had enough time where there was room in there. 
But if she taught other people, would it kind of cannibalize her sales? Or this is something where she's present at the actual wedding? She's present at the wedding, but I mean, you could teach I mean, with an online course. You, that's global, right? It doesn't just, you know, I think you kind of shy away from selling your course to people in your market or even in markets where somebody's already bought the course because there could be some competition there using the same methods. And she could do something very similar with that, I think, unless she's looking to get out of it. But I think the potential is really there. I mean, she could sell that course for a thousand or two thousand dollars because it's a money making opportunity, but it's, I don't know. I think it could be really good. But that's why I was saying what I was saying about the biggest reason is just it can be a lot of work to put it together. Yeah, there's definitely no guarantees. I guess that's the biggest thing is just, yeah, it's a roll of the dice. Yeah, for me personally, it was, I don't know, I was learning the whole way and I was enjoying the process. So, I mean, a lot of people are getting excited about online courses. So, I mean, I feel like a lot of people just, it's a fun project regardless. You know, ideally, a bunch of people buy it and live the dream. Absolutely. So the guest on today's podcast obviously has an online course and is an online course success story as well. Her name is Christina Rice, and she is in the health niche. And she has a lot going on. She's got a podcast with over 200 episodes. She's got a a successful blog. She's got a lot of followers. She also has an online course. So one of the cool things that I want to do with you, David, is after we play the interview for people is I want to jump back on with you. And let's chat about the interview a little bit. So with that said, let's go ahead and jump into the full interview with Christina Rice right now. Hi, Christina. Welcome to the Online Course Show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor. It's my pleasure. And one interesting thing that I've seen about you on your website is you've got a lot of things going on. You have a lot of different ways that you can help people. So among all the things that you have going on, why did you also decide to have an online course? Well, I decided to have an online course because I was seeing clients for nutrition one-on-one and obviously very quickly realized there's a cap to my time and the amount of money you can make when you're just seeing clients, you know, by the hour. And I just with my business in general, just want to be able to reach as many people as I can. So the course just seemed like a much better use of my time, you know, sit down and make all the course content and then move a bunch of people through at once and more people can be helped for cheaper amount than it is to work with me one on one slash it saves me time during the day. So just to scale the business essentially. That's obviously a good answer. Now, when I go to your site and I click on the courses menu at the top, there's one course available. Is that the the one and only course that you have? Right now, yes. I have a few others that I'm in the middle of making right now. Excellent. So this is called the Paleo Women Lifestyle Program. Is that correct? Yeah. When did you launch that course? Uh, Maybe two years ago, I want to say. Okay. Yeah. And what was your process for creating a course? Did you know what you were doing? No, but I never do. I just launch and go. I mean, I had taken enough courses before and that's kind of, I think that's good research. And I'd been through so many courses and, you know, would always see things I didn't like or I did like. And I just, you know, decided to uh, put together what I did and didn't like from others that I had been through myself and then made my own. So one area a lot of people struggle in is they go and maybe they don't know what they're doing either. They go and create a course. But I think unlike you, maybe they didn't have an audience. I'm assuming you had an audience already. And what was the uh, launch strategy? Were you just email people out or what? Yeah, I, I did have an audience. But I mean, you definitely don't have to have an audience to have a successful course. For me, yeah, because I had an audience, it was 
different. So I was mostly just doing mass marketing. So yeah, sending out to my email list and posting about on social media and on my podcast. So Instagram, my podcast, and my email list are the main ways I advertise things. Now, you said something we definitely need to dive into. You don't have to have an audience to be successful with an online course. Why is that? Okay. For example, do you hear about this girl? I forget her name. Uh, she has like over a million followers, maybe 2 million. And she put out this a t-shirt line and then she sold six t-shirts. It was huge in the news. And this is what people don't understand about kind of the influencer world and people who have a big audience. And this is something I learned early on when I was in college. I worked for a really popular blogger with a huge audience in Los Angeles. And as I started getting to know her and her friends who all have, you know, like anywhere between 200 to 2 million followers. And I started realizing, wow, just because you have a lot of followers, it doesn't mean you're going to make a lot of sales. And then also learning about some of my friends who have less than a thousand followers who are, you know, making, you know, 10 to 50,000 a month because they know how to market. So you don't, you don't need to have a big audience. It's what you do with the audience you do have. What matters is engagement and people who are listening to you. So I could have like, so I have, I don't know, like 31,000 followers right now. If I only have a hundred people who actually are engaged with me and are actually going to buy, that's a hundred people versus maybe Sally over here has 500 followers, but she might also have a hundred people who are very engaged. She's going to make the same amount of sales as me. So it's more about quality of the audience rather than quantity of the audience. So you can't succeed with zero audience, obviously. So if somebody is starting from zero, how do you recommend to start growing that quality audience? Well, putting out authentic content, first of all, so you have to provide free value to people so that they feel like you're an authority on whatever topic you're discussing in the course, right? You have to give people some free content. I think it, like, it used to be in sales, people would kind of hide everything, like to sell a book, for example. To sell a book, you'd say, oh, you know, pick up the book for all the details. Now, to sell a book, you need to go on a podcast, you need to give all the details, like literally say the book verbally and people will buy it. You have to give people free content because... There's so much out there already, right? So giving people valuable content that they will actually use and they want to keep coming back to you and learning more from you. And then on top of that, I just think authenticity and showing your own personality and yourself is really important. Here's the thing. There are so many people out there saying the exact same thing. No one's re- like no one's inventing anything new anymore at this point. And what people buy is a connection with you and your personality. So I know a lot of the information I put out there, people could find in other places. They could probably find from the same places I'm finding, but they get it from me because they like the way I explain it and they like me. They like my personality and I've established a relationship with them. So it's about establishing that relationship. Like I get to know my followers and, you know, I engage with them. And so I think just like really showing yourself and like kind of getting personal on social media, it really helps to build an authentic, engaged audience. And then of course, providing that free value. I think those are the two most important things. I couldn't have said that better myself. I think one of the biggest areas that people struggle is not doing the free content. I love what you said about authentic content. I think they maybe jump right into something like an online course and expecting success to come that way when they haven't put in the work of putting that free content out there and start to build their tribe, build their audience. And one of the biggest questions I get is, Jacques, where do you draw the line between the content you put in your course versus the content you put out there for free, like in a YouTube video? I'm like, look, there's very little that I'm showing people in my paid course that's not already out there for free on YouTube. You know, It's just that people come to a course to find this step-by-step process that's all in one place, a good experience. And it sounds like you agree with me on that. I mean, with the example of if you're promoting a book, just give all the information about the book when you're promoting it. 
Mm-hmm. I, and it comes down to like the packaging and how it's all spaced out. You know, like I have so much content. I've been blogging for five years and podcasting for almost four. If someone read every single one of my blog posts and listened to all my podcasts and like took meticulous notes, all of that would probably, well, I'll say like 95% of that would be what's in my course. You could put it together, but people don't have the time or mental space to listen to every piece of content that's put out there, right? So you're basically packaging it all together and making it just easy to understand for people. And I mean, there are certain things that I share or talk about in my course. And also right now I have a membership, I have a subscription on my website. And so that's how I'm kind of moving in that direction right now. So there are things there that I don't talk about publicly. So it's kind of like, yeah, you have to come here. But it's things that I used to only share with one-on-one clients. For example, you know, as a nutritionist, like supplement protocols to like help with, you know, different like bacterial overgrowth, things like that, that just like legally I can't share publicly. So things like that. But in general, you know, it's all out there. It's how we all get it, right? So I think that if you're so worried about, you know, saving content to be paid, you're just going to shoot yourself in the foot. I would just share it. So all this content that you're putting out there, the blog, your podcast, Instagram, I'm sure there's plenty of more places. What is your process for getting a new piece of content out there? Like technically or like... <laughs> well, let me get a little more specific. Let's take one example, right? So let's say a blog post, right? Um, what are some of the steps involved in that? And how do you stay motivated to keep doing it, coming up with new ideas and get out a quality product over and over again? Yeah, so this has changed a lot over the years. And I feel like my answer is different than anyone else who's trying to tell you how to be productive, but it works for me. So I used to be someone who like planned out all my content ahead of time. I was like very scheduled and regimented, especially because I started all this when I was in college. And so when I was in college, my schedule was crazy. Like I just had to be super regimented and plan everything out. And I started to feel really creatively blocked like that. And, you know, I would have certain days where I was doing photos, certain days where I was writing, certain days where I was editing, and then certain days where I was brainstorming and then promotional material. Now, I don't like to plan on my content ahead of time because I find it stunts me creatively and really to be in flow. Like, I need to wake up. Like, here's the thing if I planned yesterday to write today about having low stomach acid and I wake up and I'm like, I just don't want to write about that, the process for me to write it, is going to be awful and it's not going to be good material. So instead, I wake up and I'm like, I know I'm going to write today, but I'm going to write whatever I'm inspired to write about. So I kind of go that way and I don't plan out what the content's going to be ahead of time, but I plan out my time. So I'll be like, you know, today I'm going to write, I'm going to photograph XYZ. And I personally like to do like everything in one day, like for a blog post. So I will usually do the writing. And then photography in the afternoon if there's photography, and then edit after that, then post and then promote on Facebook, Instagram. So that's kind of like my blogging process. So I got to be honest with you, that uh, not planning out what you're going to write about gives me a little bit of anxiety because I'm quite the planner. But that's uh, I could definitely see why that would work for somebody like you. Now, with all the things you have going on, where do you recommend... Let, let's talk online business in general here, not specifically online courses. You're in a lot of platforms, a lot of places. Where do you recommend somebody start when they're looking to get an online business? Do they start with a course? Do they start with Instagram, a blog, a podcast? What do you think? I think it's really important to start with a website, first of all, to have a website. And here's the thing. Okay. I think Instagram is the easiest platform to instantly get people's attention right now. But I worry about Instagram because if Instagram goes down tomorrow, 
and you've blogged, if you've done all your quote blogging on Instagram, it's gone. Because I see a lot of people who just their whole platforms on Instagram. And I'm like, you need to start saving every post and put it on a website as well. Either put the same thing or just save it so you have it. But just with the algorithm, like for me, I'm personally moving a lot more towards just everything is on my website because Instagram is just really hard to reach people now. But I think it's important to establish yourself in that place too. So I would say Instagram and have a website at least. And then just pick a medium where you're going to put out regular free content. So I just feel like a blog is the easiest thing to do that's free. I think podcasting people often don't realize like how much can go into it. Um, they don't really get all the back end stuff, you know? So, and I just think a blog is easier for people to find also than podcasts. But if you want a podcast, go for it. But I would just pick one thing that you can stick to consistently, get in there and establish the free content. And then from there, you could go whatever way you want. If you want to do a course, ebook, definitely get free downloads. I think the most important thing that people forget is email list. Like this is the biggest mistake I made and I regret it. Like I did not start an email list like until like three or four years after I started all of this. And I wish I had started from day one. So from day one, you know, get your website, um, like make a free download or something and then get people to get on your email list. Because whoever's on your email list, they're the ones who are actually going to buy anything. So that's where I would say to start before you're just... I wouldn't just hop into an online course. Again, it goes back to establishing authority and like showing people that you do produce good content. So speaking of things you would have done differently, you said you launched your, your first course a couple of years ago. Now, a couple of years later, looking back at that process, is there anything you would have done differently two years ago? That's a good question. Well... Honestly, just because of my personality type, my program runs... I So I sell it like DIY. You can do it DIY or I run it as a group coaching program where I'm communicating with everybody in a Facebook group and we're having weekly live calls. And I wish I had just done it all DIY from the beginning. So I was taken completely out of it. So that's kind of the one thing I would have changed. Well, that's actually what I was going to ask you about next because I went to like the sales page for your course and it says enrollment for the final round is now open. Let's see. The group program will officially begin on. You know, there's a lot of dates there. So it seemed like it was maybe cohort based that you had people going through it. That's still how you do it today? Yeah. Yeah. So basically ended ended that process. So now I'm like in the process right now of I'm changing some of the content because I have to change some of the videos to make it all DIY. But I'm kind of like wrapping up that program and moving on to the other ones I'm making. And now from now on, everything I make, I'm not involved. It's like evergreen. It's here you go, buy it, do it. But you know, you said that's maybe something you would have done differently a couple of years ago, but you already have a really big established audience. You're making money in other ways. Considering you've done both approaches, somebody more on the beginner side that's just getting started, just building their audience, do you recommend they do a little more of that grinding and do more of that interaction when they're just getting started? Yeah, 100%. So the reason why... It's it just because of how many different things I do. So I do too many things, first of all, because like I'm blogging, I'm podcasting, I'm seeing one-on-one clients. Um, I run a beauty counter business. I have like a bunch of other things going on. So for me, just like any time investment outside of that, it was just too much for me personally to handle. But if that's going to be like your sole income, I would totally do it. I would sell a course the same way I did and I would do it as a cohort because it kind of makes people, you know, they're on the wait list, right? They're waiting for it. They're excited. You can do a sales call and really pitch for a higher price and make a lot more money. And you want people to feel like they're really supported one-on-one and they will get better results with whatever you're trying to teach them if they're getting more support. And 
also using that to like add to the price, obviously. Like if you're going to get one-on-one interaction with the instructor, then that's worth more than just doing it DIY. And yeah, I think if that's, if I was only doing my course, I would 100% continue it the way it is. But because I have just so much else on my plate, I can't keep up with the communication with so many people at once and like be, you know, going over this Facebook group and answering all the questions. Like, cause it, I mean, it would take me so long every day. So just because I'm doing so many other things, I couldn't handle it. But if that was the only thing I was doing, I would 100% continue it the way it was. Well, I appreciate you clarifying that because I know there would be somebody listening out there that's on the beginner stage. They don't have all these things going on. They're like, Christina gave me permission to go straight into DIY. And so I'm glad you clarified that's not necessarily what you're saying for everybody. So next, let's talk a little bit about tools and tech. What are you using to deliver your course? And are there any other tools that you are executing inside your online course that you like? Yeah. So I use Teachable. I just felt like it was super user-friendly and it's pretty cheap, in my opinion, compared to some of the other platforms. Um, And I had everything I needed. So I just went with Teachable and you don't have to learn anything. So I use that. And then to make all my video content, I mean, I just I recorded everything in GarageBand. I then moved it into iMovie and recorded the videos that way. So, you know, I didn't pay for anything fancy. And then, you know, just made some PDFs. I use Canva to kind of make all my templates for all of my presentations. So it looks nicer. So I'm pretty low cost. And then for all the live video calls, I use Zoom and Facebook group. It's pretty much all I needed. Very nice. Is this all you or do you have a team? This is me. Wow. That's impressive. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I'm a one woman show. (laughs) So look, I don't want I'm not going to let you get out of here without asking you a quick health question since that's your expertise. What is like, uh, what is just some low hanging fruit, some of your top advice for people to feel as good as they possibly can? Eat as many unprocessed foods as possible. So I think the two main thing when it comes to nutrition, unprocessed foods, things without a label, slash anything with a label, check for sugar. If someone just cut sugar out of their life as much as they could, your health will transform. And then I'm going to say, try and walk as much as you can throughout the day because we are far too sedentary and sitting is the new smoking. Excellent. That's great advice. So just a couple more questions here for you. Now, for those that are listening to this and they're just starting out, what advice do you have for those beginners out there? My advice is not to be scared, to have some confidence. And really, I think so much of this is mental and just like believing you can and realizing that no one is at more of an advantage than you are, no matter where you're starting from. And use the audience you have. If you have 100 followers, go message all of these people and pitch yourself. You know, if you really believe what you're doing, they will too. And if you post about it and someone likes your picture, go message them. Like reach out to everybody who engages with you. And that personal interaction just goes really far. Excellent. Uh, Christina, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. To wrap it up, if there's anything else you want to share, feel free to share it. And tell us a little bit more about your business, uh, where we can find your podcast, what's that about, and maybe more about your upcoming online courses. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on. I love what you're doing. I wish I had heard something like this before I started mine. So you can find me on my podcast, which is called The Wellness Realness. And it's just about all things health and wellness, everything from nutrition, fitness, relationships, entrepreneurship, everything in there. So you can find me on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. And then my website is christinaricewellness.com. And that's where my courses, my blog, my membership, and then my eBooks that I have. And 
What was the other question? Oh, my upcoming courses. So I'm doing a course right now on helping people clear their skin naturally. So that should be out beginning of 2020. And then I'm working on some courses that I'm going to put in my membership. So right now I'm switching to kind of a, a different business model. So on my website, people pay monthly to subscribe and they get access to exclusive blog posts. And then they'll get access to the live video calls with me, um, free downloads, ebook. So I'm going to start baking courses into that. So as long as you're subscribed, you have access to the courses. So um, I'm doing some on just nutrition, general health and wellness, and then some on energy healing and balancing your chakras and things like that. So that's kind of what I'm working on right now, which I'm really excited about. So hopefully all of that will be rolling out beginning of 2020. Well, best of luck with all of that. Thanks again. And hopefully we can uh, stay in touch. Of course. Thank you so much. All right. That's a wrap for the interview with Christina. David, I'm bringing you back in here and let's chat a little bit about what we just heard. What did you think of Christina's story? She's impressive. Super impressive. I mean, she's working her butt off and she's getting rewarded for it. But yeah, she doesn't make it look super easy. I mean, I feel like she's earned the success she's had. Yeah. And you know, sometimes people start out in business and an online business, like with an online course. That's what I did. Like my whole business was the online course. And then you have people like, and I guess you're kind of like that too, David. You have people like Christina who did other things first. I think she said she started with a blog and she's got Instagram and she has a podcast, all these things. And a course is one of the last things she did, but she was doing coaching. And I think what she said was she was just trying to free up some more of her time, make more money, impact more people. And that's why she added an online course to what she was already doing very successfully. Yeah, it was impressive. One thing that jumped out at me is she said, this is one of my favorite quotes. She said, it's not about the size of your audience. It's what you do with the audience that you have. I hadn't heard the story that she mentioned about the person who had like a million followers and tried to sell t-shirts and sold like six of them. But I think that, I mean, it's kind of obvious, but it needs to be said, you know, quality of your list, of your Instagram followers, of your podcast listeners over quantity. Definitely. Yeah, but getting that engagement is tricky. I know within my Facebook group, I feel like Facebook has decided that I'm not like super engaging and I'm like, ah, so I'm trying, I'm working all the time to be like, what can I put out there that people just provide tons of value? Um, she really emphasized give more free stuff. And so I was thinking like I could look at my course and like, you know, say what are, what is all the parts that I could give away for free and then still keep the secret sauce in the course? Cause I mean, she kind of said, just give it all away, but I don't know. That's, that's tricky. She definitely said, like, just give it all away. I mean, the secret sauce for my piano course is my trick for major and minor chords. That's something I say for the course. Like, that's something I get out there at every possible place because that's one of the biggest ways that people start to trust me as somebody that can actually teach them how to play piano. I think I told her in the episode, it's like, there's very little that's in my course that you can't find for free out there somewhere, whether on my channel or somewhere else. The thing that stood out to me is most interesting. I mean, she said just very briefly, she said she worked for a really popular blogger during college. And so I don't know. I mean, if I was going to ask her more questions, it's like, what was the value of like working for this blogger compared to like the four year college experience? And I have a hunch that she might say that like, that internship or whatever she was doing might have been more valuable because it sounds like that set her down this path that now, I mean, she's an entrepreneur with the course and the, all these different things going. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. If I had to do it over again, I wouldn't have gone to college. And it's easy for me to say, oh, I'm 18 years old. I'm graduating high school. Like I'm just going to start an online course. But to your point, one thing I could do and one thing people out there could do is 
try to get like an internship, like reach out to people that know what they're doing and offer to work for them for free. You know, and that would be such a valuable education. And I mean, I can throw out some names here, not that these people would be reachable, but like imagine if you could go work for Pat Flynn or, you know, Tim Ferriss or somebody like that for a year or two. Imagine, just imagine the opportunity that could follow that. It would be so worth your time to do that for free, you know, and people, I mean, it doesn't even have to be people on that level, but I'd appreciate some free workers, you know, that's an appealing offer. You got to figure out how you can offer value to other people. But did you say that you wouldn't go to college if you had to do again? No. Are you serious? Yeah. I mean, it's ironic. Well, Jacques, you're, you're taking a college class right now. You told me the other day. I'm literally taking a college class right now. That's why it's ironic. But you know, I, I just had a test yesterday morning. It was our third test of the semester. There's lots of tests. For those listening that are curious, I'm, I'm just taking a French class, one French class. I'm trying to get better with my French, trying to uh, be able to actually communicate the times we go over there as a family. And I just had a test yesterday. I did well. I got a 97. I'm curious to see on Tuesday when I go back what the three points are that I missed. But you know, we have a group like chat with everybody in the class and people are saying how they bombed it. You know, somebody got a 59 and a 72 and like I haven't said anything because I'm not going to say, ha 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 ha, I got a 97. But like I legitimately want to be there. There's a problem if I'm not getting A's and A pluses in the class. But I was telling my wife yesterday when I was in college, I would have been doing the same thing. I would have been getting those low grades because I told her, I don't think there was a single class I took in college where I genuinely wanted to learn that material. Yeah. So much wasted time. Yeah. Well, the biggest thing is I didn't know what I wanted to do at 18 years old. And so I like college for the social experience. But if I had to do it over again, I would go move to a college town, live with people in college, you know, experience that whole social aspect. But like work on a business or you know try to get an internship with somebody like that. That's how I feel about it. Hmm. I mean, I agree. I don't have children, so I'm not going to have this dilemma of how to like coach them. But you know, you got two daughters that you're going to have to figure out. Like, I don't know. You say that for yourself, but I'm sure you'll want to give them guidance. And yeah, I'm not saying nobody should attend college. Like, I'm going to let them do whatever they want to do, but. My kids are only four and two. Like, who knows what's going to look like by the time they're 18? I mean, everything could be online by then, or who knows? Robots could have taken over the world. I want to jump back to what you're saying, referring to what Christina was saying about like free, authentic content. I think that's just so incredibly important. I mean, you can't just put a course out there and then hope for the best. Or some people will make a course and then go straight into ads and start paying money to try to get that traffic. I think you really need to start with that free, authentic content and build your audience, whether it's a blog like she started with. I'm a big fan of starting with a YouTube channel because I think that just goes so well with online courses. Or a podcast. Like I grew the audience for the online course guy is 100% based on the podcast. And it's been an awesome medium to share this information um, because I think in general, like the conversion rate is higher. You know, the, we get about a thousand downloads per episode, but I, I hear from a lot of those thousand people. Sure. Yeah. The other one that she didn't really mention is the Facebook free group. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, I've I've actually felt like joining the Facebook free group has become my main like lead magnet in the sense of, you know, I've tried to run ads and things and just said, "Hey, you'll join this free group and there'll be valuable content on how to do lunch and learns." And it seems like people are very open to giving their email address in order to join the Facebook free group. So, that was another one and then putting the content in there is like kind of the starting point. So, you are asking for an email address when somebody joins your group. Yes. How are you phrasing that question? 
Um, I have it now where it says something to the extent of in order to keep this group as not spammy as possible, an email address is required to join, you'll be welcomed and receive periodic uh, messages. And it's presented as that that's mandatory. But if somebody like fills it out and they don't put their email address, I usually will let them in unless it looks like true spam. Yeah, that's about how I'm phrasing it as well. Now, once somebody leaves their email address there, what's your process of getting that email address into the autoresponder? Right now, I'm manually just jumping over to my website and like inputting them. I learned about a new tool recently called Group Funnels. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. Group Funnels, groupfunnels.com is a tool that will automatically take that information that people give you on the questions for a Facebook group. It won't put it straight into your email autoresponder. Basically, it'll put it on a Google Sheet and then you can use Zapier to then put it in your email autoresponder. So it's a way to automate that process so you don't have to do it manually. I've been looking into it. Abby actually told me about it and I haven't pulled the trigger. I think it's like $297 because right now, my assistant goes through each day and will take the information and move it to the autoresponder and do the approvals for me. But for those listening that are in a similar boat, you know that, that is a tool to automate that process that could be interesting. 297 one time, you think? One time. One time payment, 297. Well, that's not bad. Yeah, check it out. So look, one of the big things we talked about in the interview, she mentioned this concept, uh, like she kept referring to it as DYI. When she started her course, it wasn't DYI. And what she meant by that was there, it was very interactive. There was uh, coaching calls and she worked uh, very intimately with people. There's a lot of interaction. And she said, she at first said she regretted setting it up like she did at first. But then I pressed her on it and she said, well, you know, it was a good experience. And she recommends when people are just starting out to do, to make it not DYI. Like do as much interaction as possible when you're just starting out. And I completely agree. I don't know what, what you think about that. I mean, I think it could work either way. But I guess the tricky thing is you... I would feel like if I was trying to make it where there was this group of people that I was coaching and I only got like four people to sign up because I just released my course, then it would be a little awkward if I'm like, hey, let's have the big powwow in the Facebook group and like one person shows up. But I mean, that person would probably just, I mean, they'd understand, I guess that's something where course creators, we can get in our own heads, but to really, I don't know. I mean, it's something where at the start of a course, you'd have more time to do that, but you wouldn't have enough people to really create the culture that's really interacting a ton. I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about that. But because when I got started, like I made my first sale, you know, I probably didn't get multiple sales on the first day. Like I made a sale and then it was a few days later, I made another sale. And then maybe a week later, I made another sale. So it's like if those first like two people that signed up are part of a Facebook group and a community, and then they're like, hey, where's everybody else? They might be feeling like there was no social proof. So I wonder if there's a way you could do it to where you don't start that until you get maybe your first 10 or 15 students and then you do it. And then once you get to 100, maybe you break free from it, you know, because I think there's a lot of value to doing it, but it's not something you necessarily want to do long term. Because the whole you know passive income part of this is a big um, it's very appealing to wanting to get into online courses. Sure. Well, and people call it, I mean, it's a challenge. If it's like this limited time, we're gonna all like go through this transition together, then you call it a challenge. I've seen that terminology. And so yeah, I mean, I think it could be really powerful. And certainly right now, I mean, I'm the people that are in my course, like not that many have taken action. And so it's possible that if I worded it that way, we're gonna work through this together, then they might get greater results and I get more testimonials and just really get the ball rolling. So that's probably something that I should look at, to be honest. Yeah, for sure. That's the you know the big things that jumped out of me for this interview. Was there anything else on your side, David? 
Um, I just said, I mean, the overall take home, I clicked over to her website and it's like hustle and diversify. I mean, she has a lot of things going. You didn't ask her exactly how much percentage of her income is from the course, but she's going a lot of directions and she's definitely, like I said, she's working for her success. So yeah, super impressive and inspiring. Yeah, it was uh, definitely impressive conversation. It was really good to get to know her a little bit. And I've spent some time on her website as well. Her website, very impressive as well. So that's a wrap, David. Thanks to you for joining me. Thanks to everybody out there listening to this. Thanks to Christina for joining me for the interview. All the show notes and links and everything we've discussed here can be found at theonlinecourseguy.com slash 107. And if this is your first time listening, make sure you jump back and listen to episode 89 for the Online Courses 101 episode. And if you haven't done so already, please consider leaving a review for the show on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next week. <music>